0: hey everyone it's me shimon and welcome to episode 12 of yet another tech podcast this week i've got a special guest it's none other than Juan carlos bagnell aka some gadget guy to wrap up everything that just happened at mwc including smartphones like nokia 9 samsung galaxy s10 foldables like galaxy fold matex mirrorless cameras and much much more so if that sounds interesting to you hop along the ride it's going to be really really awesome so for those who don't know about you, which I doubt, why don't you introduce
1: yourself? I think a lot of people don't know about me. I'm, I mean, like, I'm not that big a deal. I, I mean, I'm i a pretty big deal, but, you know. Um, no, I, I'm some gadget guy. I, uh, I've been at the gadget and tech reviewing game for 12 years now, 13 years, as at least some kind of part-time or full-time job endeavor. I was formerly a commercial casting director, I used to do a lot of work in voiceover, uh, directing voiceover and and, uh, casting uh, commercial voiceover. then from there, I started writing tutorials on how to do home recording. And then that kind of pushed me into reviewing microphones and recording equipment. And then that branched out into just general consumer tech. And it's still a major part of what I try to cover today. You've probably caught me on a bunch of other websites and TV channels and satellite radio interviews. And I've kind of just become that little tech pundit that people like to bring in when they want someone to get a little cranky about something new. And then uh, I go back to my own YouTube channel and then make, you know, a ton of reviews about really inexpensive headphones that you should use instead of AirPods.
0: That's great. (laughs) Did you keep a check on what's happening on NWC or were you like too busy and (laughs) not having a look at what's going on?
1: Uh, it was unfortunate. Um, again, because my my job is a little all over the place, I uh, I wasn't able to go this year. I was uh, you know, I booked paying jobs, so to fly out to MWC on my own dime to hopefully make content that would pay for the trip, or get a sponsorship or something like that was a little rough. But I, one of my other gigs is I host for Newegg, and we're gutting our our studio at Newegg. So short story long, I wasn't able to go, but I was plugged in pretty hard. Um, I tried to catch every every live stream. I was really disappointed by the companies that didn't host some kind of live stream for their content, like LG, I'm looking at you. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I feel like this was this was a very interesting year for a conversation about super expensive premium devices. And then the flip side of that, more companies looking at how they can shake up what's now the mid-range. It used to be the premium sector, the premium price. Tier, it. But now that's like half the price of an iPhone or half the price of a galaxy is now uh, what we used to pay <laughs> for a uh, <the>, high end, <laughs> top tier premium flagship product. I hate all these adjectives. It's like, I just want to yeah. look at the market and only deal with price. If something is half the price of an iPhone, it's a mid-ranger, And that's kind of where I still like, draw the line. Um But but yeah, that that conversation, I think has been a lot more exciting than what's a $1,000 phone offer versus what's a $600 phone offer. Mm -hmm. And the two are now pretty similar. I mean, like the the purchasing decisions are pretty crazy. So uh, a a rambling way to answer your question is, yes, I I tried to pay attention to MWC. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: uh, do you feel that this year's MWC was much better than the last year? The last year was kind of... um cumbersome or like stale kind of, but this year it was really exciting.
1: Yeah, well, I I think a lot of companies had that feeling last year that we're getting into anniversaries for a lot of manufacturers. You know, Apple never really showcases mobile tech at MWC. And so the end of last year, we were sort of in the second generation of iPhone 10, the XS Max, the XR, That, that doesn't happen at an MWC. Likewise, we all kind of knew, well, Samsung's probably gonna try and do something special for their 10th anniversary, for their Galaxy S10 event. And we had all those rumors come, you know, uh, popping up and leaks coming up uh, about some type of folding phone or modular, some type of note. So it really does feel like a number of companies were in a holding pattern. And last year was a bit more about iteration and refinement, which is fine. I actually, I, I like those years better where manufacturers are improving on the things that work well, fixing some of the issues with their products and then delivering something special. I actually kinda wish more manufacturers were following that iPhone number year, S year, number year, S year. So I think we'd get better products for it, but it's not as exciting if the visual aesthetic of a gadget doesn't change every nine months, right? Yeah. So this this year felt like companies were coming out with more and they had more to show off, but there are some trends that i'm i'm a lot less excited about and i don't have i don't have a lot of confidence that the manufacturers we follow have good solutions for what comes after the smartphone right now i feel it's we'll just give you more smartphone doesn't solve a huge number of problems that we've had since the beginning of look at glowing rectangle touch square get program i think that's yeah. still been Something we've had since the early days of the Xerox UI. And when when I see what a lot of manufacturers are working on to try and excite consumers, I don't see them solving those problems. I see them... This feels cynical to me. This feels like we're going to try and impress you with something you didn't even know you wanted, but that's really not addressing. How they can make us spend more money. Well, and, and, you know, because we know the smartphone market is plateauing, right? You know, mm-hmm. like uh, the, the the people who own a phone or who want to own a phone own a, own a nice phone. Um, we have some huge ground to make up in developing markets, in LTE emerging markets on the cusp of 5G, arriving in more developed uh, industrial nations. There are numerous other areas where we could be um, – exploring market opportunities, but when I see something like a folding phone, I see, well, how can we extract just some last gasp of wealth out of a premium market? Um, and, I, and I just don't believe that they're real products. I believe that they are test bed, information gathering, uh, you know, sort of like a Google Glass kind of experiment that you get to pay a premium for. And I'll be very curious to see if this market segment has longevity and If they can live up to the durability requirements of a daily lifestyle gadget and get the support that we should be demanding of these manufacturers over a year, two, or three years of ownership.
0: Correct, correct. So we will get into that in a little bit. So let's go in a chronological order. So sure. first, Samsung held their event with the S10, S10+, S10e, and the Galaxy Fold. Yeah. So what do you think about these new trio of devices? Or
1: actually, they're four. I, I was actually <laughs> oh, hoping- five
0: if you count the 5G one.
1: <laughs> right, no, and we, no, actually we should. We should count that. Yes. It, this, is, this is what's frustrating for me is what I used to love about Samsung was their everything in the kitchen sink" approach to building a gadget. If you wanted crazy hand-wavy gestures and an IR blaster and a removable battery and an SD card slot and uh, QI charging or Qi charging, you know that used to be the company that we would turn to for that kind of crazy approach. But they would dump it all into like three phones, not make five or six different devices. And this is where... Again, kind of circling back to that comment. This is where I'm a little concerned and I don't have the highest confidence that Samsung really knows what they're selling right now. I think they're selling lifestyle and I think they're selling ecosystem. And they have those, not to the same degree that Apple does, but Samsung has those. There's, there's a very good reason why they're the number one. Um, it's not a gadget meritocracy that they always make the bestest phone. It's that they've got the best marketing, they've got the, the biggest marketing ad buys, and they do have the inroads on a consumer lifestyle conversation. Um, but when I see S10, S10+, S10e, S10 5G, and a Galaxy Fold all dropped at the same press conference, it makes me a little concerned that Samsung doesn't have a good answer for where do we go in the post-smartphone economy the phone i'm most excited about to see and and i eventually will go hands-on with one um is the s10e is again same yeah is can can you make an argument for a galaxy that doesn't feel like it's gonna punish you for going cheaper in a first world market right in the united states like is that a phone i can i can offer up to my mom because she's still on a galaxy s5 and she doesn't want to give that up she doesn't want a glass back She's a grown-up, so she likes knowing that she can replace the battery herself. It was water-resistant. I mean, not the best way, but you know, she has a little peace of mind there. And a lot of what she does on a phone is still well-served, even though it's now crazy underpowered and it's not getting software updates anymore. She's a computer scientist, so she can mitigate how much risk she's willing to entertain. There, there hasn't been a replacement Galaxy. The closest we got, she almost flipped for... Uh, a Galaxy S8 Active. Oh. Because she wanted a flat screen and she didn't want um, a glass back. Same
0: I but really, I don't like the curved screens on the Samsung flagships. I prefer a flat screen. What about you?
1: No, totally. I mean, um, it makes a lot of things easier. See, this is what's been so frustrating is, and tell me if you feel differently, but a lot of these aesthetic and design innovations that we've been seeing, they look amazing. They really do. You're curving and wrapping glass into edges with aluminum trim. I mean, th- this stuff is really pretty, but to me it's increasingly less practical for how much use we, we really do demand out of our mobile gadgets these days. And uh, it makes everything more difficult to manage and to support and to protect. You know, like I, I have a hard time finding really good screen protectors for curved screen phones. So, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way about something like that, but I feel like we've left a conversation about practicality while the devices have gotten more expensive and they've also gotten more fragile.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree. So although I personally don't use screen protectors or protective cases, mm-hmm. <laughs> some people find that very odd, but yeah, that's the kind of thing. No, I, like.
1: I, I used to be right there with you. In, in fact, where is it? So, I mean, like I almost always have my Note 4 within reach. And this is I think the last phone I truly went fully naked. Uh, The phone, not me. Um, Thanks (laughs) for the clarification there. That's a a Pornhub gadget review channel just waiting to happen. Um, (laughs) No, I used to be very vocal about, well, I'm never gonna put a case on my phone. I wanna talk about the durability. This is a lifestyle companion piece. If they made it this way, they intend for it to be used this way. And then the Galaxy Note 5 came out and I had it for a week and it was glass on glass And it slipped. I mean, it flew out of a backpack while I was on an influencer trip in New York where just unzipping a pocket while I was walking across a uh, crosswalk. This thing flung itself out into the street and just destroyed. I mean, the internals liquefied. The screen went insta-purple and it stopped working at all. Like I couldn't even plug and get data off of it. And, you know, this phone has been abused like crazy. My Note 4 has been dropped, corner dropped, screen dropped. I never had anything on it, and it survived so much better than my anecdotal experiences with one Galaxy Note 5 as a successor. And from there on, now I'm uh, the flip side is now I care way less about aesthetics because almost all of my gadgets are now going to be like other chunky colored gray or black or blue or some kind of case. I mean, like my OnePlus 6, I'm super stoked. I have wiener dogs on my case, right? You know, like, wow. Oh, that's fun. Yay, wiener dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't get to see the crazy cool thunder purple because I yeah. don't trust that any manufacturer has a l- truly lifestyle capable gadget um, because it's made out of glass.
0: Yeah, all of, all of the new materials nowadays are like, they look good, but if you drop them, if it gets damaged in any way, oh, well, you're you're in a bad shape.
1: <laughs> and and we need to have some of those. I mean, not not that I want to tank your your podcast here with my political ramblings, mm-hmm. but you know, here in the United States, we're having those really difficult conversations at the state and local level about right to repair. So you know, mm-hmm. companies like Apple definitely want to be involved in the maintenance and repair game at the exclusion of third party repairs or do it yourselfers. But if you crack the back glass on an iPhone, it's almost as expensive to replace that back glass as it is to buy a OnePlus 6T. Yeah, for the price, it's exorbitant. Yeah. So if that's the kind of conversation we're having, really what we're saying is this phone is disposable. This $1,000 phone you have is not really built to a standard of chucking it in a purse or leaving it in your car or you know, throwing it in a cup holder, the kind of casual daily interactions we might have with a gadget. And when you break it, it's gonna cost you hundreds of dollars to, to fix. And if, even if you do have insurance, if you paid for Apple Care, you've already invested hundreds of dollars in a lack of confidence of that build quality. Yeah. And you'll still have to pay another like $100 deductible to get that phone flipped or replaced, so that's a three hundred dollar <laughs> rear glass replacement, <laughs> not a four or five hundred dollar rear glass replacement, and and that to me is an un- is the markings of a truly unsustainable market. It, it's we should all be concerned, and I'm picking on Apple here, but it's not like other manufacturers are so much better in that regard. The 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 one I would maybe throw a little thumbs up or kudos to would be Motorola because they've at least been reaching out to companies mm-hmm. like iFixit to make repair kits but instead instead of making a better repair kit how about we make the back out of of the phone out of something premium exotic and also more durable why don't we reinvest in companies that might be able to pull off sapphire or diamond for the front screen you know, there there are other opportunities for us to do this, but because a Samsung or an Apple hasn't done it, then tech reviewers don't believe it's a part of the zeitgeist, and everyone just acts like it's acceptable for a thousand dollar phone to be made as fragile as possible. And I disagree with that. Yeah, and sorry, I know ironic. I completely just sidetracked. We were talking MWC, and if <laughs> we want to get back to MWC, I, I I'll I'll try and stay better focused. I'm, that's, I'm only that's my, the fun of it. i my first cup of coffee here.
0: But yeah that that's the fun of having this informal discussion where you can just start anywhere and then end at another portion. <laughs> that's what happened last week you know when I was uh, recording with spec and after recording for two hours she tells me, oh I
1: forgot to record my end of conversation I <laughs> 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 oh now that you say that let me just double check no, I am recording I am re- you will you will at least have audio I I don't know if I'll be able to keep <laughs> up with the, the the my side video here is coming from yeah. a OnePlus 6 t which is <laughs> one of the better selfie cameras. I just didn't have time to set up something better to yeah. capture it.
0: So uh, I chose Pixel 3 because it has a wide angle camera.
1: So like okay. Well, it's it's completely closer to me, but yeah, wide angle. I was going to go with an LG so I could do the oh. rear wide angle. My V40 but then you don't get to see. And my V30 are not charged. <laughs> And it was gonna run way too hot for me to do like an hour conversation shooting yeah, yeah, yeah. video while it's trying to charge that. battery. So I, I thought if, if I've thought, i got them plugged in now, but maybe I'll switch over at some point, and you'll see like a sneaky camera change or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MWC. We were talking about Samsung devices. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, l- let me let me let me jump in just real quick though. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're, we we both said we're, we're of all the phones they announced, we're, we're both looking forward to the S10e. Yes, that's correct. How did you feel about the S10 announcements that Apple made a big deal out of the iPhone 10? That mm-hmm. that was that was a, a big sea change for Apple as a manufacturer. Wh- whether you like it or not, I'm I, I I've been on the record of being a bit frustrated by some of the way that they changed the iPhone 10. Correct. Now there. Samsung just put out their 10th anniversary gadget. I mean, like what, what did how did you feel about S10 S10 Plus? that this was their opportunity to say like, hey, you guys have been following us for 10 years, 10 generations of Samsung (laughs) phones. Could any device have really lived up to that kind of celebration or that kind of expectation?
0: So in my opinion, S10 is a pretty well-rounded device. The the best thing is they managed to escape the notch city. That's a good thing in my opinion that they Mm -hmm. skipped the notch altogether and went with the hole punch display. You, you did get a chance to play with Honor View 20, right?
1: Oh, yeah, I've got it right here.
0: Oh, yeah, I just had to return it
1: last week. <laughs> I, I'm I'm supposed oh, you, you to be have putting it in. the red getting, one. What's that? Oh, you, you have the red one. That's yeah. amazing. It's real pretty. Oh, um, so I'm supposed pretty. to be sending it back this week, but I'm going to get, I'm going to see if I can't push him a couple extra days because while we're talking, fingers crossed, my Nokia 9 Is showing up. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's that's one of the most exciting showdowns of the first half of 2019 is View 20 versus Nokia 9. Because I really feel like Honor and Huawei have somewhat taken up the mantle of smartphone photography like Nokia Zeiss did way back in the day, or especially even through the Lumia years. And so now, Nokia coming back with a PureView branded product opposite the View 20's crazy awesome camera sensor. I need to do a head-to-head. I don't do a lot of head-to-heads, but that to me is like (laughs) critical that these two phones fight as hard as they can for my affection. Yes.
0: So I can't name names here, but someone who visited NWC, attended NWC, had a word with someone at HMD. So the conversation was, the camera is pretty slow right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nokia 9 camera. And uh, even with the retail software, it won't be fast. That's no, so, but, but that's now. just
1: it. Is can, can we have a conversation about nuance? Because if we're talking about photographic quality, right? Mm-hmm. There are few phone cameras today that can still hang with a Lumia 1020 or a, a Nokia 808, right? Oh, yes. So, so we can accept that If I so, it it would be like, um, it would be like saying, Well, why would you buy that medium format Hasselblad when a Canon 70D has a faster burst mode? Mm -hmm. Well, why? I mean, we, we get stuck in this sort of accepted zeitgeist of winners or losers in YouTube reviews, and that's the wrong way to look at it. It's the wrong way to say, Well, my pixel does this one thing better, or my pixel has night sight, so that's the winner. I mean, like. No, there's a whole spectrum of consumers out there that might care about different features or at least if they're properly prepared with what the compromises might be can look at that and say, well, that's an acceptable compromise to me. So, so what I'm really curious to see is, uh, you know, Honor has been going through their AI camera and their depth mapping. And so they're just going to enable a bunch of 3D depth mapping uh, features on a crazy 48 megapixel sensor. Will a five sensor camera with dedicated monochrome hardware be able to outperform that photo IQ? And if that's my, my comparison, then the speed or the refresh rate becomes substantially less important because I also care about getting you know raw capture out of the Honor and that's never gonna be fast. It's saving a 95 megabyte raw image. Your recycle times are garbage compared to like a burst mode on a Pixel. Right. Yeah. So so again, that to me is a perfect showdown. It's why I don't want to compare this against like a Mate Twenty, which costs more, or I don't want to compare this against a Pixel or a Samsung because it's also not built to fight on that playing field. But there are two companies yeah. making uh, having a, a very nuanced conversation about photography quality, and they are Nokia and they are uh, Huawei Honor. Light. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, but Leica, Leica, and Zeiss. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, so if I saw like a, an LG with a Nikon partnership or a Nikkor glass partnership, that would be a different conversation than the the production capabilities of an LG phone. Um, like the V series is still one of my go-tos for video production because they are the only ones giving me as granular tools for better video. But they aren't having the same kind of conversation about photo IQ that Huawei is. So again, these are all little nuanced differences, but if you go, oh, but the Pixel has Night Sight, then you've completely <laughs> missed a huge chunk of the population that might actually care about this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Plus, I would have much preferred if the Nokia 9 had Snapdragon 855. So, But from what I know, it, they were too late into the production, so
1: they had to stick with 845. I mean, Which is I, fine, I, I, 845 I think, isn't bad, it's very well, nice. Well, I mean, let, let's be frank, I, I think most people would still be fine on a Qualcomm 820 if they were getting better software updates and there was better optimization, uh, software hardware optimization for that. Really think about what it is you do on your phone. We've got a lot of people that stomp around and claim they need the best, (laughs) but what are you doing? I mean, one of the things I'm trying to get- Well, but that's just it. It's like what I'm trying to get people to yeah. do is, uh, is get more use out of their phones. You know, like when I, when I do like a, 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 a vlogging series, it's not that I just shot a, a, a video from a phone. It's I covered all of my vlogs in Vegas from a V40, shooting everything, recording all of the audio directly to that video, using the audio controls on the V40, editing, rendering uploading, thumbnailing, everything was done from the phone. I brought a laptop. I didn't open it for a week because everything was done from the phone. I want to be that outlier so that people will see if I plug in a Samsung with DeX, there is legitimately a good use case argument for this replacing a low-level desktop. Or same thing with an Honor or a Mm -hmm. Huawei with their Mm -hmm. desktop mode. You can do that now. So now we need to have a better infrastructure, better support, better accessories for that kind of use. When people, you know, walk around and say you're like, oh, if it had this or if it had that, you know, I, I find those arguments to be completely specious. You're like, oh, well, I would buy this if it were exactly like my favorite flagship and it had better specs and it cost half the price, then I would totally leave Samsung. You're like, well, <laughs> that's not how this market works. You actually need yeah. to look at what it is that these products are truly capable of. And, and you know, I pull out any phone with a Snapdragon eight thirty five. It's still rocking today. People like to make this argument yes. about gaming, but if you're really into gaming, then you should be looking at devices that have better thermal management. It's not necessarily the chipset. I mean, you can do fine on a mm-hmm. Poco phone or a OnePlus. Those phones game well, but if you're yes, really into gaming and also the whole gaming infrastructure, like you want to share your gaming with a community, mm-hmm. you you really want to be a part of that then a phone like the Razer or the ROG or the Note 9 really need to be on your list because they will help you do more over a longer period of time with better hardware designed to get heat out of your device as efficiently as possible. Again, that requires nuance. But if you watch a Razer phone review, it's, oh, the phone felt kind of warm to the touch. Yeah, by design, it's getting the heat out of your phone, <laughs> you're going to feel <laughs> that. That is such a stupid con to have yeah. if you're not explaining why. Because if a, if an iPhone felt that hot to the touch, then you would know you were just cooking the internals. Because there is nothing special helping you with that thermal management. So so again, I'm sorry, not not to like sit here and like defend the Nokia uh, the Nokia Nine. Um, I, I am definitely trying to rein in my fanboy over the Nokia label. But it's coming in at a comparable price to a OnePlus 6T. That's still on sale today with the Qualcomm That that was surprising.
0: I was really not expecting it to be priced at that.
1: And we know there are gonna be some obvious compromises. I'm super cranky about there not being a headphone jack. That to me is Mm. almost a deal breaker if these cameras just turn out to be okay. Um, But we also have some other things too, like a a 1440p uh, OLED with an in-display fingerprint sensor. There are very few devices coming out with that combination outside of Samsung. Now, obviously, it doesn't have the same ultrasonic, blah, 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 but we're talking about, uh, I think, a well-targeted, well-built product to meet a certain price threshold, and that it was held at this tier until they had the tech pieces in place for something like an optical under-display fingerprint sensor.
0: Like, I think that was
1: the last bit. This phone could have come out two years ago if (laughs) they'd had some kind of solution for not having a rear-mounted fingerprint sensor.
0: Did did you notice that the fingerprint sensing area is pretty high up
1: in the display? It was almost in the middle. That was kind of weird. I I hope it's larger. Like, the, the position to me makes sense. I want more things happening in the middle of a display where my hand might more naturally, as opposed to always having to do everything on a tall, skinny device, pulling to the yeah. bottom. Like it's yeah. one of the things I hate about gestures right now, is everything pulls yes. to this teeny little bottom edge for a swipe where you're barely able to hold onto it and you're gonna fling the phone out of your hands. <laughs> I mean, so, so I mean, what's hilarious, I, I only have the regular 10S, I don't have the 10S Max. But I actually really like keeping it in a ridiculously large battery case just so I get a chin again mm. and I have more room to hold the phone. <laughs> it's just so silly but that's kind of a concern, an ergonomic concern that I don't think a lot of manufacturers have addressed.
0: Okay, so what I'm looking forward to is like the day when the one-third of the display will be totally for fingerprint sensing and you could just place your finger anywhere and it'll just sense which is there on the first generation prototype Vivo Apex. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. I wonder why didn't they bring it to production
1: version because I guess it was too expensive. I, I, I mean, know. that would be my guess, right? I mean, think think about what you need to scan optically or with other types of ultrasonic sensors. I mean, I, I, I don't have component pricing on stuff like that, but I would have to imagine that these early generations of products and also incorporating that with certain types of displays becomes cost prohibitive to a certain degree. I mean, it's also the same token, uh, people starting to point out things like the S10 ultrasonic sensor is offset, where it's not perfectly centered. So, you know, when, when you look at things like that, like that to me definitely speaks to, it costs, you know, three cents more to make this field a little bit larger. It costs five cents more to redesign part of the logic board so we can center this it might cost 15 cents more per unit to make the the field you know a full bottom third like i think this is going to be an awkward transition year because i'm also hoping that within the next two years we're not really holding phones like this anymore like by the time we solve these problems i hope we just don't have them at all anymore you you
0: want like a virtual interface in your eyes or something? something well, um, something in terms with Iron Man or stuff.
1: He, so I I hope we see that that um, that continuation of where we left off with smartwatches. Like I think smartwatches will prove to be an evolutionary dead end as a product I wear on my wrist. But I hope mm-hmm. they birth a future of peeling services back off into a full personal area network, where. Mm -hmm. Think about how many times you waste time just referencing the phone for little bits of at-a-glance information that are not mission critical, that you don't need to reply to in that moment, that you don't need to respond to. So we keep accepting that, oh, well, my phone made a beep or a buzz, and now I've got to look at it. But your phones are actually really terrible at notifications, your phones are actually really bad at that, especially in this new era where we all have, it's not just email and texts, it's tons of these services that are trying to get our attention now. So we have an attention problem, a huge one with how we use these things. And uh, I got to try on the uh, the North glasses. It's a little mm-hmm. Pico projector that that blasts out to a screen and it's focused in a way where the image floats like like uh, almost two meters out in front of you so it's Mm -hmm. not that you you look up and you're you're, you know you're pulling your vision in it would be like if we're having a conversation face to face at a little bit more than arm's length my notification is sort of floating out where your face would be right so Uh, you know the the little like moments where you're not because we don't make eye contact while we have conversations (laughs) the entire time because this would be super awkward it's really easy to hide that momentary glance like, ah, that's, I don't need to respond to that. Or, oh, that's not mission critical or, oh, that's a text from my wife. Can you excuse me for just one second? I just need to reply to this. You know, that to me eliminates so much extraneous phone usage. And then I want to combine that with better audio capabilities. We're all rushing Mm -hmm. to these like wireless buds or I really like bone conduction, uh, headphones. We have these smart assistants that aren't that smart. And I really want, not like uh, the AI from the movie Her, but before <laughs> they go to the AI, they have a mostly audio-based interaction system. And I'd like to have a little bit more of that. Also, you know, like uh, those are things that would help for accessibility usage, but bring that into mainstream use. Don't make that the default for someone who's you know, visually impaired. Uh, combine that with sensors in our clothing, sensors in our shoes, a data collection in our pants. I want a chest strap built into a workout shirt for better heart rate tracking. I mean, there are so many things we can just pull off of the phone. I think we're always going to need some glowing rectangle visual interfacing device, but I want to use it less. I want, I want this to be less of my experience with other people mm-hmm. in the world around me. And I want to move on to More organically embedding these experiences into the world around me. It doesn't have to be Terminator Vision AR. I mean, there's so much we can do with simple wireframe icons, text. You know, I don't need to draw the map on my car Mm -hmm. windshield for turn by turn navigation, but just give me an arrow when it's time to make a turn at eye level Mm -hmm. so I don't have to pull my eyes off the road or look at like my phone in my lap
0: or something like
1: that, <laughs> um, and potentially risk a, uh, an accident because that information isn't accessible. That's a very long-winded way. <laughs> I'm kind of pointing back to my concerns at MWC is mm-hmm. I still haven't seen manufacturers joining that conversation, and everyone's nervous too because you know you still want to make a profit off of the current phone paradigm. You don't wanna risk too much in R&D and manufacturing if something doesn't sell. Uh, tech reviewers and tech geeks are the worst right now, mm-hmm. where if you do something truly different, you will get savaged by this community for years until it becomes a generally accepted idea. And then everyone knew that it was a great idea. Uh, it just just wasn't ready yet. Um, and that kind of nonsense. So everyone's playing really conservative, but whoever takes that step first uh, is, is going to Define the next ten years of gadgets and uh, data services. So it's in every company's best interest to have a plan and to try and have some path, some uh, product roadmap to getting us out of smartphone only. And there, there now I'm happy with wealth extraction, right? Sell me some great goggles that let me keep my eyes on the road. Sell me some cool clothes or jackets with sensors built into them. Sell me add-ons for my shoes. You know, like I'm a first world, privileged gadget enthusiast. So I'm ready to throw my money at that. I am not ready to throw my money at making my smartphone screen even bigger. Cause that doesn't solve any of the problems that I've got right now.
0: Yeah. So do you agree with the statement? If the owner of 20 was smaller, it would have been much better. Like, it's fine that it has a hole punch display, but had it been smaller, uh, around 5.5 inches, it would have, it would have been like much more handy and better. I don't know Um because
1: this isn't their first because because uh, what it's roughly the same size. Hold on, do I have it? Yeah, I mean, Honor View 20 is like 6.7 inches, but it's roughly the it. same size as the View 10, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is kind of the second year where they've strayed from, um, we're just gonna go through all my phones, let's let's do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, so I, I, unfortunately, I had to give the Honor 8 back to pocket now, and that actually made mm-hmm. me kind of cry a little bit. But I do have an Honor 9. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. you can kind of see just like the dimensions and how much smaller, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's actually out of focus. Let me, I'll put it back here by <laughs> um, That's fine. So, I prefer this size and smaller. I, I really wish more phones were coming out in like Xperia S- XZ1 compact territory or iPhone Ooh, SE yes. territory.
0: I love those. So that's the reason why I'm using Pixel 3 because I love the size. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the closest we get
1: to a true small form factor premium phone these days, and I could go smaller. I really could. Um, it's very curious. I, I think Honor's market data is probably pointing them towards a growing, this is totally my speculation, obviously Mm -hmm. I have no data to back this up, but my hypothesis would be their market research is pointing them towards people who might make up a significant demographic of folks who only have one computing device, period. Hmm, that's interesting. And if you only have one computing device, period, it's gotta be an all-rounder multimedia device, communications device, and potentially a replacement desktop in ways that a smaller phone might have more difficulty achieving for a larger number of people. So that's my guess. And I, I, I think it'll be curious to see over Cause I mean, it's even things like the Honor, moving from the View 10 to the View 20, uh, incorporating proper USB 3 support for HDMI out, Ethernet in, multiple USB uh, inputs and outputs. Um, I can plug it into one of those laptop docks, one of those USB laptop mm-hmm. docks. It's really for a MacBook. And use it as a full-fledged computer with one USB cable. You just, And then... It's connected to a monitor. It's connected to my router over an Ethernet cable. I can pop wow. in my camera SD card. I've got two USB ports ready to go. I've got a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard. And it just, bam, it's a desktop. It's <laughs> it's ready to go. And it's doing that at 600 euro. Like, that's, that's impressive. That's so then when I'm on the go, if I want to have that better multimedia experience, if I want a little bit more real estate for writing, because um, mm. I really did. I started doing this with my... Mate 9 where I would just bring a little Microsoft folding Bluetooth keyboard and I was writing my scripts on airplanes. I don't want to pull out a laptop. It's such a pain if someone has to get up and go to the bathroom. You've got like a, a 14 inch gaming laptop and you're trying to get out of their way versus a phone and a folding Bluetooth keyboard and go flick. And I just pick it up and I move and they sit back down and I go plop and then I'm writing again. I mean, it's so much more convenient. Um, I think Honor as a brand is probably looking at more that kind of Venn diagram overlapping in a way that Samsung used to. Um, and I hope that mm-hmm. Samsung gets back to with phones like the S10e. Uh, but that's, again, it's a, I, I have no insight to know if that's really their design or not.
0: And now they're like flooding the market with the A and the M series. Mm-hmm. So it's the M- M10, M20, M30, then A50 and all yeah again it's pretty interesting
1: i I don't think they've got a i like that they're paying attention to those demographics so Mm -hmm. so first of all i think i think samsung deserves credit that they're circling back and really trying to find good solutions in the mid-range um they they recently put out what was before i think it was just after the note launch last year That they were really going to be looking at using their mid-ranger phones to launch new technologies before they were going to be adopted on s series phones yes but they started
0: with uh the a series the original a series when it was called samsung alpha yeah so if you remember uh alpha had the metal rim before it came out for the alpha was the
1: baby note 4 and i still think that is (laughs) the one of the best phones samsung has ever made
0: yeah, it was small and compact.
1: My, my dad oh. my dad rocked that phone. He only got rid of it uh, the beginning of last year.
0: Ah. So again, my
1: parents, wow. like, they, they, they treat their phones like they're cars, man. It's like, we bought this phone, <laughs> and now I'm going to run it into the ground. I'm going to get as much <laughs> use out of this as I can. But since he's, uh, he, he got a Pixel 2, and then uh, that phone, he destroyed that phone, and now he's on a Galaxy S8, and I don't think that phone is doing well either. Neither of those phones have have held up nearly as well as his Galaxy Alpha did. The wonders of glass, <laughs> I must say. Right? I just it's super disappointing. But and I'm sorry to to, yeah. to your to your sort of initial uh, I mean comment there too is the the thing that makes me a little nervous is they're not approaching it with with a design. They're approaching it with a shotgun approach. Um, mm, yeah. they're, they're throwing a ton of stuff out there, and now they're collecting the data to see what sticks. And I get that. They have the resources to do that. But I also worry for the people who are taking Samsung at their word that are going with Samsung on this experiment. Because I don't believe those are the consumers who will be treated well over time. Samsung already doesn't have the best reputation for updates and support. And they're banking on their reputation as the number one manufacturer. But increasingly, I feel those are the consumers who are left further and further behind. The people who are already a little vulnerable in the market are the people who tend to be left out the most. They're the people who tend to be abused the most. Oh, you couldn't spend $1,000 on a phone? Well, okay, when bugs crop up or when security exploits happen, tough luck. You're on your own. Tough luck. (laughs) Um, And that's not okay, which is why I'm also really excited for Nokia to be kind of coming back to the USA the way they are. I need a few yeah. more options to recommend to people, and if they really do embrace Android One, then it's a lot safer to go with a three, $500 phone if we can count on more reasonable software support.
0: I wish like more OEMs joined the Android One bandwagon so that we can have like Play Edition phones all over again. Yeah. I, like, Samsung's hardware is really nice, and if they have an Android One Edition phone, that would be really awesome.
1: I would buy one. I, the, the the problem is is convincing a manufacturer to make that leap and then not gimp the phone. Um, I, I was I, the 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 roller coaster ride of emotions when LG announced that they were going to put out a G seven one edition, but then it like was last uh, uh, an older chipset, less RAM, less storage, only one camera. You know, like it was like they gimped that phone, and like that's that's really a shame because that I think would have gone a long way towards reconciling my biggest problem with LG where I absolutely adore LG hardware. I think they're doing some of the coolest stuff when it comes to like audio tech and camera mm-hmm. controls. I think mean, like, really there is no solution like an LG for multimedia and content crea- uh, content creation um, and a high quality audio. I am mean, just if you have nice headphones and you don't have an LG, you're doing your ears a disservice. But that comes with the flip side of some of the worst long-term software support. <laughs> and if you could give me an LG G7, the the exact same hardware is what you'd get from like the project phi you know if you buy an an lg g7 for google phi give me that hardware but make it android one and then give me like an app to install for boombox mode and an app to install for their camera i mean you can still build this stuff in there that to me would go a long ways towards putting all those pieces together then i would have my cake and i'd be able to eat it too it's uh, right now it's they are probably crunching numbers where, oh, I don't know, we could uh, get a little bit more money here. We have a branded experience that uh, our customers seem to enjoy over there. And I don't really think most consumers care that much. If they cared that much, Samsung wouldn't be the top manufacturer.
0: And things are pretty changing uh, pretty quickly. Like in India, Xiaomi has overtaken Apple and Samsung. Yeah. And now now on uh, they're on the top, the number one right now. So... Have you had a chance to, you know, play with Xiaomi devices except for Pocophone?
1: Well, I, I so actually I haven't been able to play with a Pocophone.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. The way you mentioned it, I thought <laughs> like you have used it.
1: No, 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 no. I, I, I've had lots of people yelling at me that I missed out on not spending more time with a phone, But it got caught up in the end of the October coverage cycle in a way where I just never got back to it and right now when I'm cutting a smartphone review I'm kind of taking a page out of Erica Griffin's playbook I'm done doing this let me do a 24 hours review and then let me do a one week review and then let me do an extended hands-on and then let me like nah, let me just use the phone and I'll talk about the phone when I know what I'm talking about rather mm-hmm. than trying to chase some kind of YouTube SEO Unfortunately for me Good. and my work schedule, that means it might take me a month to chew through a phone and really feel like I know what I'm doing. And uh, when we've got like six phone announcements at the end of 2018, all stacked on top of each Ooh. other, I made the wrong decision, I and fully admit it, I made the wrong decision mm-hmm. in ignoring the Poco. I really should have spent more time with it. But for all the other Xiaomi's that I've spent time with, that is also, It's I, I really wish that they would entertain some notion of unlocked sales here in the USA, um, where their strategy of services works really well in other markets, it would be a tough slog here because you would probably have to charge more for the same phone here in the United States. But I think even affixing a premium for a proper USA-focused device and a, a, a warranty service, you know, all of the proper support. It's like I can import any phone, but I can't recommend any phone that really you can't support or get fixed or have a warranty for. I can't philosophically uh, do that to people. It's a great phone; you should import it. And then if it breaks, you're screwed. <laughs> 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 uh, smash that bell icon. Yeah. Um, that that that's not that's not okay. Um, but when mm-hmm. I see like the inroads they've made in Latin America. That is such a huge label to be fighting in South America and Mexico. And that's why I want more I was so stoked to have One Plus in T-Mobile stores. Like we want that competition. We need that competition. And we need to also show people that you can have a truly premium experience. Three to four hundred dollars. Yeah, you want to get something fancy, you can bump it up to five or six. And you're still mm-hmm. It, it would be very difficult in daily operation to discern the differences between that and a $1,000 smartphone. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you check out the Redmi Note 7 and the 7 Pro which was launched like literally last week? So yeah, I mean, I've read up on the announcements for it. Yeah, I mean, again, that looks like another monster player. It looks like another monster performer. And uh, back when I was at Pocket Now, that was one of the happiest moments was getting to review one of the Xiaomi Notes like I finally got my hands on one of these things and it wasn't just like another Oppo selfie camera phone it was like oh this thing's this thing's got some meat this thing's got some teeth to it yes. and I really liked spending some time with it that is a perfect example of smart compromises i mean again it's not like mm-hmm. anyone really truly has a no compromise phone like that doesn't exist yeah everything yeah everything has its own pros and cons but i think they've made some some very smart decisions in balancing feature set for a specific bang for buck and i mean the sense I get in reading through international community conversations on phones like that is they have deservedly built up a fan base around that product because of the way that they've iterated, improved, and then supported. And that to me is way more important okay. than just like, ah, oh, we, we've got a phone and it's got a Qualcomm eight fifty five and you can buy it for three hundred bucks. But you'll never hear from us ever again. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay, so let's switch gears for a minute. For sure.
0: Let's talk about foldables. So starting with uh, okay so out of all I know
1: you totally want to talk about the LG V50. I can feel it. That's your that's that's the foldable <laughs> for you. Totally sorry, yeah. that was a terrible joke.
0: So um starting with all the foldables you saw at CES sure. and then NWC, which one
1: stands out the most for you? So, the big caveat is I think foldable phones are a terrible idea. Now that I've said that, um, the, the, the one that I'm gravitating towards the most is the Mate X. Um, Wise choice. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. <laughs> I, I, too, also uh, think you're a pretty sharp uh, sharp crayon yourself. I, I don't know where I was. That's t- I couldn't stick the landing. <laughs> um, no, the, this is hilarious. The main reason why I want to go Mate X, I would probably almost never unfold that phone. I want a dual screen device where the only cameras are the rear high quality cameras. My screen is not molested in any way for a selfie camera because selfie cameras are terrible. And all of my video calling and selfies are taken from the best cameras on the device with a way to uh, compose that image. Because right now, I shoot almost everything from the rear cameras on my phone, and I just practice a lot to shoot blind so that the screen is out, but I'm using the rear cameras. So, like, when I, when I shoot in Vegas and I'm shooting on an LG, one of the reasons why I stuck with LG for so long is the wide-angle camera, you can just shoot wherever. It's so wide, you don't need to worry about... It'll definitely about get you in the frame. If you're Yeah, exactly. You don't have to worry about composing your frame. You're just like, I'll flip it over there, and look, there's the, you know the the vegas skyline and how cool is that and now i can go back to talking to you and it doesn't matter where i'm at and that's huge i can shoot a super high quality 4k ultra wide video and i don't have to worry about composing it but if i had a screen on the back of my lg that i could use to set up that shot well you know the the main camera sensor is actually a little bit nicer and has better low light capabilities it's a you know better autofocus better image stabilization yeah. like that would be a nice improvement but I can't trust that camera sensor if I'm shooting blind and the Huawei hugely solves that um, in, in only having that one strip of cameras and then using mm-hmm. the extension of this sc- of the screen as your composition window uh, for setting that up so that that to me is really the biggest selling point I really hope, the Galaxy Fold will offer, offer something similar where you open the phone I, up and you use the tiny little crappy display as your composition window and then you can still use the really nice cameras to take your selfies or do your video calls. To me, it's a no-brainer. Um, but they put six cameras on that thing. You know, like, that's so unnecessary.
0: Unnecessary indeed. So that's somewhat the same approach with uh, Vivo Next Second generation, took, which ha- yeah. which
1: has the dual display. Well, the first time it was pretty the, interesting. The first time I went hands on was with the Nubia, the Nubia mm, X. Okay, and I'm still mad at okay. their PR. Like, uh, I, I went to the <laughs> Nubia booth. Sorry, I've told this story on my podcast too, so I'm totally repeating myself here. But yeah. I went to the Nubia booth at CES. It, it was like the last day I was there, so it was it was like Thursday, and everyone at CES is just dead on on Thursdays. <laughs> by the time you make it to Thursday. And I'm chatting up their PR rep and he has zero interest in talking to me. Like, none at all. <laughs> and so I'm telling him, like, I know I'd love to do this. Oh, well, we're not gonna ship it to the United States, so we, we can't send you one. I mean, like, I don't wanna review the phone. What I wanna do is talk about this as being the most viable solution for not having a notch and improving your selfie and vlogging quality. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I, I don't see how that kind of conversation could work. And so I show them my V40 where I've got like video editing timelines on that phone. And we're not talking like iMovie. We're talking like multiple layers, graphics, inserts, transitions, you know, three layers, music bed, voiceover bed, audio from the video files. And as I'm scrubbing through, I scrub past a, a little clip that I shot with uh, Anna Bong, from board at work and with super Saff, mm-hmm. they were all walking the floor together and he stops me like oh wait a minute who's that and i go oh you know that's that's my buddy you know and a bong and i oh and that's saf with him he's like you know super Saf? and now now all of a sudden i'm worth talking to because <laughs> i have like a two second clip of video where safs in the background like waving and so i send them an email and they're like yeah but we just don't have any plans on releasing in north america so we can't send you one <laughs>
0: That's no. so dumb. Oh, <laughs> only
1: 30% of my audience lives in North America, you dork. Um, sorry, yeah. very long winded way of saying <laughs> yes, like the Vivo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well. <laughs> so uh, talking about
0: foldables, do you like an Inny or an outie? So that, that's the dumb which everyone is using. So you like the screens on the outside or the inside?
1: I, uh, again, with the caveat that I think both are terrible. Um, I like, I like the execution of the mate X better. It's mm-hmm. less complicated. It's a much higher screen to body ratio, no notches mm-hmm. on your tablet side. Um, but I don't think either really have solved the durability issues. So obviously they can't be made out of, out of uh, brittle or scratch resistant materials, because they have to be able Mm -hmm. to bend. Um, Hinges are going to be terrible for any type of drop, regardless of whether it folds in or out. And I still don't think that Samsung, like if you look at some of the the user generated shots of the fold at MWC, even though they don't close flush, there is a gap, sort of like a, a surface book gap when you Mm -hmm. close the galaxy Mm -hmm. fold it still looks like that plastic starts to like bend or crease so neither really solves the issues i have with a mainline daily use lifestyle companion gadget but so far the closer one i think to the actual better solution would be the mate 10 folding out one display cutting back on, on, uh, the operation. You don't have to have anything fancy to tell the phone, Oh, well, now that you've unfolded it, you've got to go from one screen to this other screen. Oh, where you're on this screen, you're going to use this camera, not that camera. Like that stuff just seems so cumbersome to me. And the main use of a phone, you have the full display on the mate 10. You have a dinky little window porthole display on the fold. And I know that can be solved by eventually putting on a more expensive front display. Mm-hmm. But that to me just, again, seems like an obvious compromise to hit a sub $2,000 price point. And I'd rather, just, I'd rather just go with the thing that's more recognizable as a phone when it's closed and as a tablet when it's open than jumping yeah. through hoops to look at all these different displays, aspect ratios, form factors. I, I, I really think that Samsung's solution is, is clumsy here
0: yeah and even if you like compare them side by side it looks like a generation leap between them
1: (laughs) (laughs) samsung fold got like out in four days (laughs) i know it was like in literally one week but but again that's that's what's kind of exciting is we've been having these conversations like huawei has not been generating the most positive buzz when it comes to things like intellectual property um correct and i loved seeing in my twitter feed you know, people complaining like, "Oh yeah, like Samsung put out a folding phone, and Huawei like copied them like four days later. You're like, they made a phone in four days. You know, like yeah, that, that's, that, that's that, part think. of the conversation that that people are having in, in in this sort of informed but not really informed tech conversation. <laughs> because here, here we've got you know, it, it's like volcano versus Dante's Peak or ants versus A Bug's Life. We have two companies." They both made a folding phone, and that's where the similarities stop. Is that they have screens that bend. Yeah. So now, what I really want to see is a flip phone, is is like an old oh. a Moto Razor. That there were the oh, rumors that about be, that. That would be the best reincarnation of the best remake. I, I want that so bad. So I mean, if you're gonna give me tall, skinny devices, like I would be cool with a two-screen solution, or I mean, if you could mm. fold it outside too, I mean that that might be, that might be a little funky. But, you know, make it a little bit taller and skinnier than something. I'm holding up a, a View 20 here. Make it a little taller and skinnier. But then when it closes, I've got like an iPhone SE sized little square that I can do everything Damn. from. That'd be really nice. I, I would be all Sony over Sony kind of
0: half-heartedly executed that with the yeah. Xperia 1. <laughs> <laughs> <It kind> of,
1: <laughs> that was adorable for you to say half-heartedly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it kind of resembles the iPhone 20 memes. You remember those? Yeah. Which are like a lightsaber. <laughs> exactly. When the iPhone 6 came out, everybody's like, oh, they're just going taller and taller.
1: <laughs> but but I mean, like, TCL showed off their Dragon Hinge. You know, like, they, they have a mm-hmm. prototype device that kind of fits that bill. We know Motorola has been working on folding displays actually i mean i think motorola showed off some of the first outside of lg display for this type of bendy mm-hmm. screen tech they just you know they they let samsung dictate the course of this market when they could have been out there ahead of it that that mm-hmm. that to me i think could be a better solution for there's there's not often that i really need this display on the go i just need a mm-hmm. reference Quick action, interaction, reply to a text, punch out a tweet, you know, shoot a quick photo, and I could do fine for most of that with an iPhone SE-sized screen. And then when nice. I want to sit and use both hands and dig into something a little bit, a little bit more, I could open that out. Now I've got my six-inch phablet screen ready to do that. That to mm. me would be a bit more compelling and hopefully a little bit more durable solution for uh, a folding screen device. So talking about bendy screens, did you check out the ZT
0: Nubia Alpha, the <laughs> gauntlet style watch smartphone thingy? That's I, I've, hideous. I've, I've, I've only
1: seen it, I mean, like I I, you know, I, I haven't been anywhere near it close enough to, to like manhandle that or look at it in person. But again, yeah, from the photos, that seems like the first baby step towards creating a science fictiony Gadget, you know, like oh, I know people yes. always talk about things like I want to be able to un- unscroll a display, <laughs> kind of like a, what was that one of the Mars movies? It was a mission to Mars, or is it Red Planet? I can't remember, but they had these it sort of semi transparent scrolling, mm-hmm. unrolling tablets, and that is like yeah. that's the worst solution. It's floppy, <laughs> it's not rigid. Yes. You can kind of see through it, but you kind of can't. Which means light transmission is terrible, unless you're in optimal conditions. And you can't really hold it in one hand because as soon as you do, the whole thing just goes waka 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 waka. No one wants that. It's dumb. that's terrible. <laughs> Don't do that. We can make it like a snap bracelet. You're like no, you can't. <laughs> and and it's the same no, thing. You know, like that. when when you know, I, I love watching The Expanse, but if we're hundreds of years in the future and we're still holding a rectangle. Hundreds of years in the future, I don't care if the rectangle is transparent or has like a holographic pop-out display, Nintendo style. Mm. If that, if we're still doing that, then we have failed as a species. (laughs) Like we, we, we deserve extinction. (laughs) If two hundred years from now we're still like, oh, let me, let me hold this brick. No, we'd be like drawing hand animations and
0: all in this uh, in the sky and. I, controlling UIs and whatnot. I'm even willing to go with that lazy people. Awesome.
1: Like, if I have to use my hands 200 years in the future, maybe that's a failure. Like, everything is just brain power. And and I'm ready now. I mean, give me, give me like a, a, a quarter-inch jack or like RoboCop <laughs> style, like some sort of like mm. spike data port, chink, yeah, yeah. and then just plug it in and then let me just communicate through some sort of direct neural interface and I never have to like touch or handle or pick up something ever again. But even minority report feels kind of <laughs> kind of clumsy. Like I'm a little nervous for for as much as I love LG hardware that, you know, yeah. the the whole idea of like uh, like palm scanning or air gestures mm-hmm. or things. We've tried some of these things in the past. If it's not super well polished, then I think this is going to be something that a lot of reviewers are going to like, "Oh, it's a gimmick and it's terrible. You shouldn't buy this phone." Remember Samsung Galaxy S3 had that? Yeah. Palm yeah. gestures. S3
0: was the phone with all kinds of gestures. Totally. You could enable everything. <laughs> Smart stay, scrolling yeah. thing, <laughs> the wave to change the music track and all. Ooh, it had a lot of gestures.
1: And, and so, I mean, like, a lot of that was was too ahead of its time, right? I, I mean, like, yes. I think I think a lot of people would say that that's totally fair. But now look at where we're at with uh, augmented reality VR headsets that are now starting to do eyeball tracking, HoloLens 2 talking about positions where... Mm it's not that you hold a controller, it's that it literally scans your hand to be mm-hmm. the cursor, the interactive element that, you, that incorporates into software and that it follows your eye, it follows your vision. So, I mean, we're there. We need to start incorporating some of this stuff into consumer-facing gadgets and see, see what, um, what works and what doesn't. But, you know, that to me is, again, that's a, a, an incorporation point that will be a clumsy missing link to when we have better direct connection with our consumer electronics. So, you know, I have my phone and it's propped up and I'm cooking, so that's a perfect example. I'm in the kitchen, I'm cooking, (laughs) and I wanna do something on my phone and I can kind of wave my hands around in the air, but I'm never gonna wanna wave my hands in the air for normal day-to-day interactions, because that's way worse than just picking the phone up and doing something on the screen.
0: So here's an uh, interesting perspective so last week, like I mentioned I was having a word with spec. she mentioned like how it can be really useful for those people who are who have disabilities don't so yeah, this acts as a really nice way to you know make it more accessible to other people so that they can you know interact with the phone in a much better manner
1: that that's true um the thing
0: the thing is that more developers need to you know work out how to incorporate these in a much more friendly manner? Like, okay, it's fine that you can turn the knob and change the volume, but how about making it more accessible well, so, so more so UI this, elements?
1: I'm, I'm trying to be, I, I'm, I'm trying to be very precious with my reply here, because this is a, a topic that I feel is not really addressed, but manufacturers love to play lip service to supporting these different communities of people. I feel if we built products with accessibility use in mind first and then released them for everybody that everyone would see an improvement from that kind of design or that kind of interaction but when I look at some of these types of hands-off solutions they usually require more attention more finesse and more nuance than the currently accepted way that we use our gadgets. Like what you just did there, I'm gonna turn the volume, so I'm gonna hold my arm up while my phone is standing or propped up in some specific way to see me. And then I'm gonna make a very specific dialing Mm. gesture. There are some people with accessibility concerns where that will be a tremendous benefit. I think there will be many more people with accessibility concerns where that's going to be a very infuriating combination of supporting the gadget, propping it up, pointing it at you in a specific way, and then operating it in a very nuanced and specific way that's actually going to put them farther away. Like It's actually going to be more difficult to use that gadget in that way for that one specific usage than if we were really... Um, living up to the expectations and the claims for things like voice assistants, or for things like I was like, about to
0: bring that up. Like it's really, it's really nice how voice assistants are getting more and more intelligent and more accessible.
1: Right, but I mean, try and cover the basics. Like, t- t- mm-hmm. tell your phone to dim the screen, and like, how does it do it? You know, can you say, <laughs> oh, you know, uh, you know, shmoke booble, uh, set my screen brightness to twenty five percent. Oh my gosh! One of my phones actually did just turn on. Wow! <laughs> see, that's not a very smart assistant. Um, yeah. No, but but you know something like that where, actually, let me let me see. Hold on. What what phone do I have? Let's see if this even works. I don't know if I've set this up on. Come on, go back home. Um, set screen brightness to fifty percent. Does it work? It did it. Okay. Hmm, I'll say, kudos kudos Google Assistant, because I was totally expecting that to fail. When I I went through and I did, um, uh, I was reviewing a Bluetooth headphone that had pre-built like play, pause, skip commands, so that Mm -hmm. you didn't have to go through Assistant for that, and it worked really, really well. And then you would go to try and change the volume, and you would have to open the Assistant, give it the command, and it would move it like one notch. (laughs) And you're like, that's not (laughs) helpful at all, Google Assistant. And and <laughs> you would try in different permutations of like set volume to twenty five percent or set volume to level seven or you know like anything that you could and it would just like mm-hmm. it it wouldn't do anything but like move the volume one click in either di- uh, in either direction. Those things to me I think would go a lot longer if we were working on consistent um, and a unified design idea of interaction. So if you pick up an iPhone, it's similar voice commands on an iPhone as it would be on an Android device or, you know, the myriad number of Google devices. Mm -hmm. If I pick up an LG and I give it voice commands for volume, that's going to be terrible if it's, if it only works the way that it works on a Samsung. So on a Samsung, I have 20 volume steps on an LG. I've got 75. (laughs) Do you want to give your volume command 17 times? to get to the right level. But that at least gave me a little bit of hope when I can pick up an Honor View 20 and tell it exactly what screen brightness to go to when it does it. That, to me, is way better. And, and why I'm more excited about things like uh, Microsoft with their accessibility controller, modular, designable, you can custom fit it to the individual with their specific needs or concerns. And that still actually could be an interesting controller for someone more able-bodied, to play with Mm. probably not the most straightforward way to game but you could and you could share that experience with someone in your family yeah it was a nice attempt by the xbox team oh huge huge props i mean like i think microsoft did Mm -hmm. something really special there and i wish our phone manufacturers were looking at the software equivalents for that on our mobile devices too
0: okay so let's switch to non bendy smartphones (laughs) what do you think about the thick boy energy power max p 18k pop oh my god that
1: name (laughs) yeah it's pretty bad but yeah um seeing as how i'm recording my video right now on a oneplus 6t in a zero lemon case i'm all for it i i mean like i was actually a little (laughs) nervous i had to look up tsa guidelines like can i even bring this thing on an airplane the battery is so th- large, but you. I think if,
0: if you're within the range of twenty thousand mAh, you're good. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, but I had to look it up. Like, I honestly didn't know, and I would have thought that would have been hilarious if they'd made a phone that you couldn't bring on an airplane. Um, <coughs> no, I I like it when smartphones get weird, and I like it when <laughs> we see. You know, you're gonna complain about battery life, and you say that you're fine with a thicker gadget. Well, here's a company that just went and took that to the extreme. So it obviously shouldn't be a a considered solution for general consumers. Like no one's making any argument that if you were seriously shopping an iPhone 10R, oh you could you get this phone instead. <laughs> <laughs> but I want those options for consumers that genuinely want to have some kind of crazy long life battery runtime solution. And and mm-hmm. I want, you know, the same way, like, I want BlackBerry phones to succeed because I want people who like keyboards to have keyboards. I want LG to succeed because people who care about their ears should have good options for uh, awesome, high quality audio. I mean, things like that. If we only boil everything down to what is Apple doing or what is Samsung doing, then we miss some glorious and sometimes silly uh, mm-hmm. solutions. But this to me is a gloriously silly solution and I'm I'm just glad it exists. I doubt I'll spend any time with it. <laughs> but it's like my, my world is happier and shinier just for the, the fact that it, it's, it's a thing that someone might buy. And maybe they'll hate it, or maybe they'll love it, but I just, I want, I want more of that and less of, well, we've all agreed that this is the only way that you can make a phone, and our SEO only works on YouTube if it's a OnePlus, a Pixel, or a Galaxy. You're like, okay, cool. That's really boring. (laughs) So, um,
0: talking about, you know, smartphone camera capabilities and all, Mm -hmm. have you tried the Moment camera app, which provides you pro modes on uh, photo mode and the video mode? So It recently recently got updated for Android. I was gonna say, it
1: just got to Android. So no, I haven't. Um, This last month, I've been trying to wrap up camera testing on the Razer Phone 2 and the View 20. And the Razer Phone 2 convinced me that I need to spend more time talking about third-party camera apps. So after I go pick up my Nokia 9, (laughs) um, I I do want to kind of dig into what that app has to offer because I still haven't found anything that really matches the granular control of photography from Huawei and the granular control of video and audio from LG. And if Moment can get us close, uh, then I think, so many more Android phones will will have greater potential for some really interesting content creation, and I really want to play with that uh, cinema lens that moment has to see oh, if the all anamorphic of that. lens is so nice. It's a really it so interesting good. idea, right? Like, yes, I, I like wide angle, and you can kind of crop in and create sort of a bold look with that. But you know, if you want your JJ Abrams lens flares and you really want that Ooh. that sort of cinema feel, I like that. Again, most people aren't really going to gravitate towards this as a solution. I need that to really exist, though. I need these products to really be out there for people who are interested. I'm shocked that a company like Red missed the boat on offering something similar. Now, moments here, and I feel like that's something that really needs to be talked about more so that people can see your $1,000 smartphone purchase is way more capable than just Shaving a millisecond off of opening up Facebook, like <laughs> you can do more. And true, true. if you that's really all you because I don't want to besmirch the person that texts emails and checks social media and that's all they do from their phone. But they don't need to spend a thousand dollars on that. That's a, That's a consumer that could be saving some money or putting, you know, those purchases uh, towards uh, better use. But we don't, we don't really position that for them. So I, I'm, I'm very curious to give it a shot, but I, I haven't spent any time with it at present. While we're talking, I'll fire it up right now, and then I'll give you a full review. <laughs> so the day it was announced, I was like very interested in
0: buying the app. Then I found out like the video uh, granular controls are not available for Android. So like okay, the day it launches, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. And I'm yet to buy it. I'm like okay. <laughs> now that I bought it up, I'll have to buy it and then use it. Because like the camera on Pixel Three is nice, but the camera the stock camera app is really limited. Oh yeah. So like okay,
1: yeah. Well, and and that's kind of the funny thing too is, is, I say funny, one of the really frustrating things about talking about a phone like the Pixel is, again, trying to drop this conversation into a lowest common denominator where an oversight or a con on one phone is a total deal breaker. You need to have the best. You need to have the best camera. You need to have the best this, have the best that. That one phone doesn't have this one thing and I can't live without it. So that total deal breaker. And then you'll see the exact same conversation happen with a Pixel and you're like, oh, well yeah, the Pixel audio is terrible. The camera hardware really isn't exceptional. Still has some problems with lens flare. Uh, Video capture is kind of terrible, especially in lower light conditions where that software crop gets real fuzzy, but you get used Mm -hmm. to those things. Those aren't deal breakers on a Pixel because that's different. Mm -hmm. And, And that to me is a wholly disingenuous way to have those kinds of conversations. Again, the Pixel's a fine phone, but it's a software platform. Well, you know what you can do is you can pull some of that software off of the phone, and like the Pixel camera app on a Razer phone too, works a trick. Um, anyone complaining about like even on the 60, right? I mean, it's like there are solutions to that, but you know what I can't fix is the bathtub notch on a Pixel XL. I can't fix the terrible microphones for video recording on a Pixel 3. I can't I can't increase the the frame rate if I wanted like an ASUS ROG phone because it had an as a 90 hertz refresh rate screen well, I can't get that through an app on, on my Pixel. Yeah. And that's why these, these different categories need to exist. And that we need to be at least somewhat internally consistent with our criticisms. Like, I want to tell you, like, these are the things that I like. And that way you can judge whether or not that's a deal breaker for you, as opposed to saying, well, you know, that, that's a loser. Better luck next time. And you're like, that's, mm-hmm. that's not really how we should be talking about this stuff. They finally fixed
0: the audio bug thingy last month. So now it sounds normal.
1: The video sounds normal now. It's not like yeah, but it's still recording mono, right?
0: No, I think it records stereo now.
1: Is the Pixel Three finally recording stereo? Because it didn't at launch. So it's
0: recording right now. I could
1: snap here
0: and then snap out. I'll check it in post.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, but I mean, like you know, it it took Apple. I mean, it took Apple ten years to figure out we had two ears and that we might like stereo recording in our videos. So I wouldn't, wouldn't put it past Google to copy them for longer than they should. It's not revolutionary until Apple does it, you know.
0: <laughs> well, they invented ears. It's before. not revolutionary <laughs> until
1: a dozen companies do it first and then Apple does it and then Google and then copies it and then does one thing <laughs> a little bit better. And then you have Night Sight and people are acting like you should buy a phone for one camera mode Of an HDR processing effect, long exposure in an app that you can put on any other comparable phone. (laughs) Since we're talking about cameras, what are your
0: thoughts on mirrorless cameras? Like,
1: do you see yourself buying one anytime soon? Well, I mean, like, I shoot everything on Panasonic now. Like, I moved over Mm -hmm. to Micro Four Thirds. Uh, I I had to walk away from Canon just because I I felt their division of feature set. Like, I wanted to make the move to 4k as soon as I got my hands on a Samsung NX1. Um, and that camera was way ahead of its time. Um, I'm actually doing this on a busted, uh, this live stream on a busted Samsung NX30, um, where I cracked the, uh, the sensor filter that does the, the sensor cleaning, but I'm keeping it. I like my little ghost of a shadow. <laughs> it still works and I, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of broke because I buy a bunch of phones and that's stupid. Um, so I, I wanted to make that change right away. I seriously contemplated, um, I just said seriously, and my iPhone turned on, and now Siri is recording me. <laughs> again, smart assistants, not so smart. I, I seriously considered Sony. Um, I was gonna go with maybe an A7, and it's a silly little thing, but I still want an articulated LCD, so I- uh, Yeah, same, I, I don't like the
0: tilting screen on these Sonys, that's kind of
1: useless. Well, and, and I, I do enough, like, prop up the phone, set up a tripod in a busy convention hall, talk to camera, show off gadget, and then do B-roll. Um, and Wi-Fi apps work well, but if you've mm. ever been on a trade show floor, the speed at which you need to capture your commentary and your footage and it's even that second to like search for the Wi-Fi, find your oh. camera, link it up go into remote operation mode. Like even that's just like, just sucking the momentum out of what's already a very high adrenaline situation where instead I pop the phone on a a tripod, I use a slightly wider lens, I flip out the screen, I poke the screen where my face is and I push record. Is so much easier to get a grip on. Um, And then other things too, where it's just, it's a smaller package. I I, I don't mind having poor low light capabilities or a, uh, a longer depth of field a less shallow depth of field. So I kind of made that transition, what, with the G7. Now I'm on a G85, and my next camera will probably be uh, whatever comes after the G9. So I'm I'm, I'm happy with micro four-thirds right now. And if I make any move, Panasonic has done really well. I like their feature sets. I like their focus on video. I might consider moving up to their full-frame camera in a couple years. Oh, great. Because so I was thinking about
0: getting the... Canon EOS RP. Like did he have a uh, did you have a look at RP? I
1: mean, I again in in, in in reading up on specs, it seems fine. And I really like Canon IQ. I've got a ton of Canon Glass. I, I came from a Canon 7D, um seven D Mark One before uh, okay. before I moved over to Samsung, and then Samsung abandoned me and then I moved over to Panasonic. Uh mm-hmm. Canon Canon IQ is awesome. I love Canon White Balance. I love Mm -hmm. the look of how Canon plays with light as opposed to trying to find the true scientific white of your subject. I just, Mm -hmm. I've gotten so many amazing shots out of my 7D and some good glass, all thanks to just auto-processing white balance. Like, that would've looked like garbage (laughs) on any other phone, I mean, on any other camera, IMO. Um, But the thing that holds me back is they keep carving up some features for more expensive products when you know, you can shoot 60 frame per second 4K video at insane like an 80 or 90 megabit per second data rate on a phone. It is pants on head dumb that we aren't getting some of those capabilities in a mid-range or camera body from Canon. So as much as I love the yeah. glass and as much as I love like the actual expertise that goes into um, some of the feature set on a Canon, I want 4K I want 4K and I don't wanna spend $3,000 on a camera body to get 4K or not have a stupid crop to get 4K or something. I just, I feel like Canon keeps holding that back from me when other manufacturers are happy to just fork it over and let me play. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. My Pixel just ran out of storage. <laughs> I think that's that's about as good a place to wrap up as any. Uh, you'll pardon. Yes. I, I do kind of want to bounce because I just got an email that mm-hmm. my local Best Buy has a package oh, prepped Nokia for me. 9 is here. For me to go pick up a Nokia 9 PureView. And I really want to rub that on my face a whole bunch. <laughs> um, so yeah. if you don't mind, uh, I know we didn't really kind of cover all of the MWC topics that we talked about, but we uh,
0: did cover everything.
1: Oh, good. Oh, we actually made it through the list. Okay, good. Yes. good. I, I feel better yes. then
0: about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's wrap this up. And uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the
1: interwebs? Oh, for sure. So I, I, I post most of my content as some gadget guy. If you do a loose search for that, there's some Twitter, Instagram, I'm starting to pick up a little bit more on Twitch uh, for some of my mobile gameplays and Let's Plays. Uh, And then, of course, on YouTube, it's technically YouTube.com slash Juan Bagnell. But if you search for some gadget guy, you'll find me there, too. And then I also host uh, content for Newegg. So if you go to Newegg's YouTube channel, you'll see me a lot there. We actually did a poll on folding phones, and the LG V50 took, like, 15% of the vote. Wow. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. I was very surprised by that. I really thought that that phone would get a lot more hate. But there was, like, a core group of people that were like, No, I don't want a bending phone. I want a regular phone that I can snap on another screen. And you're like, okay, that's a not insignificant number of people with a different opinion Mm -hmm. than what we're told we should like. So kudos. Uh, And then you'll also catch me, like I said, just around a bunch of other properties, podcasts. I do tech commentary for local news uh, here in Los Angeles. So you'll see me on Fox LA, sometimes on NBC or KTLA. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I'm around. I'm... I'm kind of easy to find. You're omnipresent. You're present everywhere. I just, like, I just like watching everybody all the time and knowing everything. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's jam. I'm, I'm watching you right, right now. Here. Watch it, us talk about this. It's a, it's a yeah. really terrible Modest Mouse song. Paper Thin Walls. Uh, you should take a listen. <laughs> it's, it's awesome.
0: True. That's pretty interesting.
1: All right, everyone. <laughs> it was
0: really awesome having you on. And I'll see you on the internet. And you must be getting late for your Nokia 9. I'm going to see that picture really soon.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's coming out today. I mean, as soon as I crack that thing out of the box, I'm taking some photo of something with it. So I'd be on the lookout. But no, thank yeah. you for having me. man. this is fun. We should definitely do this again soon. Oh, yes. Really, really soon.
0: Alright, folks, that was all for this week's episode. I hope you liked it. You know, like, share, subscribe, do your thing. And if you have any feedback, comment, or critique, you know, hit me up on Twitter. It's at ShimonIPS, that is S-H-I-M-O-N-I-P-S. You know, just let's have a chat. Let's have a conversation and discuss how we can make this even better. And hey, here's a little bonus for you. If you've made it so far into this podcast, tweet at me using the hashtag ShimonPS4. And let's keep the meme alive. Oh, also, do let me know whom I should bring next on the podcast. It can be anyone. You never know. All right, that's it, folks. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.